Huntington Hotel in sunny Southern California. Oh, and I do want to say that we did have a little bit of audio problems with the Skype interface of the interview, so please bear with us on the audio. Thank you. And with me to share is my awesome co-host, Valerie Garcia. How are you? Hey, Philip. I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, I cannot wait to hear your stories, your travels today. There's so much I want to hear. I just want to walk with you in all of the glory of what you experienced. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm kind of teasing it. <laughs> and I just want to remind all of our listeners that Tennis Pal Chronicles is sponsored by Tennis Pal, the best app to find people to play with. So visit TennisPal.com, download the app, and find people in your area. Just enter your zip code, do a search, send a message, and there you have it. You can find people to play with. Such a great app. It's the best. On my home screen. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Valerie. Uh, So I have uh, some exciting news to share with our listeners as well. Oh, I can't wait to hear yeah, Love Set Match has now become a full-fledged nonprofit community organization. Oh, that's so awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm super excited and completely afraid because <laughs> 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 I've never run a nonprofit before. I've been a part of many nonprofits as marketing and promotions and events and all that stuff, but actually, you know, kind of trying to do it uh, ourselves is is a little bit daunting, but uh, hopefully with your support and all my friends and you know everyone who's out there listening, their support, we can spread the love of tennis uh, in Southern California and beyond. Yes, I have absolute uh, 100% faith in you. So I'm super excited to just invite people to be a part of it. It was really exciting to get that IRS letter that's called the Letter of Determination, which says that I can now receive donations, and um, hopefully we're going to use those donations to build great programming for tenants in Southern California, because I feel like, especially for unreached kids, uh, kids who don't have an opportunity to play tennis, not necessarily because they don't want to, but I think there's just no chance for them to get experience with it, right? So yeah. like we ran the programs in East LA this um summer it was awesome partnering with la county we gave away free tennis lessons for kids that came to the program and some adults came too we, we were hoping it was going to be family tennis you know kids with their yeah. and i i think it was kind of a cool first time experience for a lot of the people that came and some kids were just naturally talented and that's what's always so exciting is to meet a, a girl or a boy who they, they pick up a racket you start playing with them, maybe with a lighter compression ball or foam ball. They can actually bounce the ball 10, 15 times. They have good hand-eye coordination. They can kind of carry on two or three-stroke rally over the net with a lighter compression ball. And it just shows that, wow, it's not as hard to access as a lot of people think. That's so cool. You're really doing amazing work. Because it's, a, it's so important for us to get, you know, tennis out there in the community. Yeah, and for me, tennis is the vehicle, but really what I'm hoping to spread is the education aspect of it. Because there's so much to tennis that really enriches your life, not just the game of tennis, but, you know, like 
understanding spin, understanding the speed of the ball, understanding the, the width of the racket. It's all like physics and math, you know, and understanding how to read a ball, how to move with the body, how to move with the body. So I'm really hoping to incorporate and create some curriculum that helps people understand um, how they can extend their learning hours from the classroom to the court and turn our program into not just tennis, but education and fitness health education as well. That's amazing. Lots of ideas. You know me. <laughs> yes. Philip, the great achiever. I love it. Uh, I don't know about achieving, but at least I'm reaching, you know, <laughs> <laughs> doing my best. But uh, yeah, it's really exciting. And uh, we're talking a lot about it in the future and even revamping, you know, the website, Loves at Match. Now it's lovesatmatch.org so that people can go to, which is exciting. And yeah, lots of things to come. So we'll talk about that later as well. How are you doing? How are you feeling? Doing good. Feel good. Ready to rock and roll. How about you? It, I'm doing good. It's November. It feels like there's a little bit of lull in tennis right now in professional tennis even though there's not it's just that there's no kind of big grand slam to look forward to right well i might just have to disagree with you right there as i am sitting here as we speak watching Sviantek play kazakina at the wta finals uh her first round robin match and i just watched stan vavrinka um and uh holga runa play at the opening round of the Paris 1000. Yeah, that was really exciting to see that they're in Paris. It kind of shocked me when I saw it on YouTube and I was like, oh my gosh, Paris just started. So it shows that I've just been too occupied. (laughs) You have been too occupied, but it also kind of like snuck up, snuck up, you know, like there was, there was kind of like nothing. And then it was like, oh my gosh, yesterday, all of a sudden there's like all this tennis on. It's like, whoa. Uh, so I'm, I'm in, uh, tennis heaven this week. That's for sure. I thought so. I thought it was kind of came out of nowhere. It definitely did. And I actually almost in one of my true to fashion Valerie, um, sporadic moments, uh, of impulse, I almost just went to Fort Worth to, to the WTA finals this week. Wow. Um, wow. I mean, I, I was thinking about it like a month ago and then I had to go, no, Valerie, you, you're out of control. Um, Valerie, this is the year of jumping the gun. Uh, you know, I just, I just want to like go watch tennis so bad all the time. <laughs> oh, um, well, and that's a great place to start because this whole podcast is dedicated to that amazing experience that you got to have the amazing event that happened in your life. Tell us about it. Well, as some people, if you have listened to previous episodes, you'll have heard that I had a moment of impulsivity and I just clicked by on the tickets to the Labor Cup this year um, when I heard that the big four were going to be there. I was like, this sounds like history. I want to be there. I need to be there. So I bought the tickets. Um, And coincidentally, the tournament is only three days, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And they they only had tickets for Friday. Saturday and Sunday were already 
uh, sold out. So my only option was to buy tickets on Friday. And originally I was really bummed about that, but the universe knew exactly that I needed to be there and uh, manifested everything to unfold magically so that <laughs> not only was I getting to see the big four play there for the first, last, and only time that it will ever happen unless Roger comes out of retirement. But a week before the tournament, Roger decided to announce um, his retirement as if anybody listened to our retirement episode. I hope you did because we are both humongous fed fans so it's uh it's yeah, a click back on that last episode yeah. because it was a lot of fun yeah it's it's uh good stuff it's always it's always good to talk about and think about uh roger and what he did for our sport um especially the fans he's always been a fan favorite right he's like won the fan favorite and the player favorite award like more than anyone else uh for a reason but anyway, so if you want, you can check out that episode if you already did. So then you probably heard that I just coincidentally happened to get the ticket for the day he was going to play. And it was super, super exciting. Um, I did realize. And, and the only day he was going to yeah, play. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, and what are the odds? I don't know. It's just, it was just so random um, and so magical. So I had, uh, for the, I had this great idea with Philip and a couple other people I know who love Roger in tennis were like, we saw that Laver Cup RF hat and it was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to buy like 10. <laughs> well, I showed up on Friday, which was the first day of competition. And I was there like three hours before the tennis match started, but it was still 45 minutes too late <laughs> because they already sold out. They already oh, sold out of all the hats by the time I got there. And um, what a heartbreak. It was pretty, I was bummed. So I guess they had like a whole fan day on Thursday, the day before. I didn't know about this. And they were already selling all the merchandise the whole the whole day before. Oh, and they, I didn't know about that either. Yeah, they were having like a practice day and um, where they had like this big practice court and they were letting people go in and watch them practice. And then they also opened up all the merch booths. So. I, yeah, I was, I stood no chance in getting one of those hats. So that was, that's how it started. It was a little unfortunate. I was like, no, I really want, and, and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't pack a RF hat because I thought I'm just going to buy one there. So why bring one? So then I had to right. like walk around the whole event without my RF hat, which felt wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and and there must have been so much RF merchandise everywhere, right? I mean, not not to buy, but everybody. Uh, yeah, wearing everybody it, wearing it. Philip, it was. I like. I cried a few times, like just you know, just oh. a little bit, uh, in terms yeah. of just being like um, surrounded by Roger Federer, like T-shirts, hats, everything. I mean, like one in every three people that were there. Let's say, yeah. It's the, the Church of Roger. Yeah. You entered the hallowed grounds. <laughs> For sure. It w and it was just so amazing. I would imagine it's almost like how it would feel like watching him play in Switzerland for like a Davis Cup match or something. That, because like right. so many people had their gear on uh, everywhere you turned. Um, yeah. And for those who, I don't know why they wouldn't know, but you were actually in London. Yes. Yeah, so the Labor Cup this year was in London, and so it was at the O2 Arena. 
um, which was actually really, really far from where I was staying. So, um, well, really, really far, I guess, in terms of like on the complete opposite side of London. So I was staying actually in Wimbledon and the O2 Arena. It was like an hour train ride with no uh, delays or um, busyness, like the quickest Wow. The quickest I could get there on public transportation was like an hour. Um, So what that meant was when I was leaving, (laughs) we'll get to that later, but it was quite an eye. It took me like two hours to get home. Um, Wow. But yeah, I showed up. It was magical. You know, there was Rod Laver stuff everywhere. There's just like tennis, tennis, (laughs) tennis. There's Roger Federer fans everywhere. Um, Everything was ridiculously overpriced as it as you would expect (laughs) but kind of some of like reasonably overpriced let's say right um just enough so that you're like okay i'll buy that (laughs) even i mean it kind of is one good thing about uniqlo is you feel like i feel like their prices are not like super outrageous in general but of course this is like you know exclusive stuff right there right so yes and of course like i had to calm down the shopaholic uh freak inside of me that was like um swiping that's swiping. just like give me one of everything you know uh, so i was able to tone it down to just getting well i got a hat a sweater a jacket and a wait a hat a shirt a sweater and a jacket um wow so like one of each thing but i almost got yeah. a beanie I almost got another hat. I almost got like every shirt they had and two other sweatshirts. So that was actually somewhat tame <laughs> to just buy <laughs> four things. Um, but it's so funny because you and I love the RF hats and we've been huge fans and, and it, you've often made fun of me that, you know, it's very unusual to see me without an RF hat, right? Like if I wear like a, another hat, so like an Under Armour hat that I have or something, you're like, I can't even recognize you. It's not even you. It's true. <laughs> I just feel like it's part of, it's like an extension of you. <laughs> it's like if you uh, dyed your hair a, blonde or something, I'd be like, whoa. <laughs> right. Whoa, that's cool. And then wear an RF hat. Then I'd be super cool. <laughs> yeah. Then you'd be like Roger back in his, his glory days, his early, early. Oh, yeah. 19. Yes. Yeah. Super young. With the streaks. <laughs> totally. Uh, and what's so amazing is those old uh, Nike RF hats. Like if you look online, they're selling for like four or $500. Wow. Oh, I. It's crazy. So. You know, anything you bought at the Labor Cup, I'm sure in five years are going to be worth like mint, you know? Oh, well, I mean, I didn't really get anything Roger related at the Labor Cup because it was all sold out. So the only stuff I have at the Labor Cup just says Labor Cup 2022. Yeah, but just that because it was like, that's the day, you know, that was it. Yeah. So so take us back. Like when when did it happen and you realized, oh my gosh, he's going to retire? Because I think it was like late September when he talked about it um and we covered that in the last podcast but you know that feeling of wow he's going to retire and you're heading towards his retirement what was what was that like for you well i think i think he announced that about eight days before labor cup yeah something which was shocking yeah it was super shocking oh my gosh on twitter it was crazy yeah and we talked about how like we were both so 
<laughs> I'm, of course, the first person I messaged was you. I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was honestly – it's like um, a part of my life is over, you know, a really significant part. Um, relationships have been ruined over this, <laughs> this love affair <laughs> with Roger in tennis, you know. Um, so it's not just some random thing, you know, at least in, in my life story. In my life story, uh, there were many arguments over why I was choo choosing Roger over like a family event or an important <laughs> obligation. Um, so for me, it was just very fitting. I was really glad that I got to be there. Um, when he retired, it was bittersweet. There was, you know, of course, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to miss watching him play so much uh, because that's really what it is. Is like It's the magic and the joy of watching him play. He was right. so good. He made, the, he made the game beautiful and, and fun to watch um, at like right. a, a level we hadn't seen before when he came along. So there was the element of sadness to no longer get to experience that. But on a personal level, I was there was a sigh of relief in terms of just being like, oh, like maybe I can have normal human relationships now. <laughs> that won't be, um, I don't know, sidelined for Roger and then I'll get in trouble. So there's, there's a light at the end of the tunnel here, I guess. I think uh, I felt very surprised that he was in good health and and good enough to play and actually was like at at a at a fairly decent level in his tennis playing because somehow it just came on us that he was making this decision kind of rashly because we we knew that he was going to do Labor Cup, kind of try out his knee, see how he felt, and then he would play Basel. So he had committed to playing Basel. And so it felt like, okay, this is his road to recovery. And so for him to say, hey, you know what, I'm going to draw the line right here, must have meant that like he could barely walk, his knee didn't work, you know, he, he was afraid of, you know, damaging it. And so I just had, I thought, it was going to be like last year's Labor Cup where he walked up in crutches and he could barely, you know, stand straight. And uh, I was really afraid for him and what it meant. And we were even saying, is he even going to be at the Labor Cup now? Yeah. So it was such a dramatic shift in my understanding of where Roger was in his playing career and his tennis and and his health you know and of course all of us are saying well gosh i mean all we want for him is is knees that work and and a good life and <laughs> you know uh and no re repercussions in his um post-retirement life but in that moment when he announced it i think it was september 15th uh it really felt scary to me that he was not in great shape yeah did you have any of that well, it was definitely a surprise. I, I, like you, thought, you know, there was a comeback coming and then all of a sudden it wasn't. And then in, after the doubles match, he was like uh, saying he couldn't believe he even made it through the match. He didn't even think he would be able to get through the doubles match. Um, he said that live. Yeah. Wow. Um, 
So it seemed, yeah, it must have been pretty bad. Um, or, or in terms of just being like him being really scared that it wasn't, it wasn't going to hold up. Um, yeah. And he's, he and said he definitely 100% did not feel he could do singles at all. Yes, yeah. Well, it was such a sigh of relief, I think, around the world for Federer fans when he posted a video of himself practicing. I think it was on Instagram. Um, and he was hitting the ball, and it was just like he looked great, you know. Uh, and he was just practicing singles, too. He wasn't practicing doubles, but he was hitting the ball. He looked fairly casual, but, you know, Roger always looks casual when he's practicing. Uh, but it was really exciting to actually seeing him close to form, I thought, you know, which was, wow, really exciting. Yeah, super happy that he was healthy. His knee was working. He looked fine. And it wasn't anything like all the fears that had been built up in my head. Yeah, and I, I actually thought he played pretty well um, at the Labor Cup. But from what I hear from other um, professional, from other professional analysts like myself, uh, no, from, <laughs> from some of the analysts and commentators is that they like really could tell that his movement was hampered. Um, maybe mm. it was just the excitement of being in the moment. And also I thought Nadal, love you, I really do, but he did not play well. Um, he really did. He like he just made so many errors. Me and all the people around me kept going like, ah, he's ruining. Like he messed that up. He messed that up. Um, Throw his partner under the <laughs> yeah, bus. Totally, totally. Uh, but yeah. So I mean, I but I thought like I thought Roger looked well and played well considering he hadn't played all year. Um, but apparently, like the the entire time he was concerned and and that's probably why others who weren't lost in the magic of the moment like I was were able to notice that he wasn't moving the same um yeah did you notice that were you able to tell I didn't I really couldn't no I didn't I didn't get to watch like the whole match you know all the way through like you I wasn't sitting in in a seat but you know watching in highlights and stuff I didn't really notice like oh he doesn't look good he's not you know, I, I remember like 2013 when he had back issues, you could really see that he could not serve well, you know? Yeah, I thought he served pretty good. I I thought he actually just played pretty good. Um, I did too. In general. Yeah, but it was really exciting. I, yeah. I had a blast. I thought the match was really exciting and really fun. The tournament itself um, had really great energy. Um, obviously, I can't compare it because... I haven't been to one where it's not like everyone knows this is Roger's last day. Um, <laughs> so maybe it was just extra spectacular. But even yeah. even like the day session match with the others um, just seemed really like high energy, full crowd, really, really cool experience. You know, seeing the teams come out, uh, Team World, Team Europe with Borg and McEnroe and everyone's sitting on on the bench, you know, rooting for their teammates. Although I will say Team Europe almost was like never on the bench that day. Um, I made some friends, Anne and Jonathan. I doubt they listen because I don't think I properly told them about the podcast. <laughs> and then I was, I was going to tell them and exchange information after um, we left, but there was a whole 
debacle when we were leaving where security was trying to get get us out of there and we were like no so then we got kind of like separated but uh it's <laughs> kind of a long story but uh anywho i made friends with these lovely these lovely people next to me and we we were all um always like commenting like where is team europe like nobody's on the bench it would just be like Djokovic and Berrettini alone and um Everyone else, all the other four or five players were like in the back in the locker room or doing something, you know. Um, Hmm. But it it was really like a fun atmosphere and a really cool format. Like the tournament itself is just a cool and fun format. And that's probably why it works so well. It really works, doesn't it? I mean, I feel like it's so um, well watched. It creates so much buzz. I mean, there are a lot of other exhibition events that happen, but boy, this one is, I think, has to be the best exhibition, um, that, especially that happens yearly. It, it just is so well done. And of course, like you said, the top four players were there and of course the Roger uh, retirement. But it, you know that aside, I feel like Labor Cup has become this really have-to moment, right? Oh no! Can you hear I me? I lost you. Oh, okay, that's fine. Uh, I just said it seems like Labor Cup has really become this have-to moment, this buzzworthy moment. Yeah, the Labor Cup is just really great. I know they're trying to get, um, I think they're trying to get ATP ranking points involved, but it definitely isn't lacking any funding, um, and they pay the players well, and there's definitely the draw and attraction there. And actually, I wonder now that like Rogers retired, if at some point he'll be the coach of Team Europe, you know, down the road. Right, right, right. That I think he would love to do, right? I mean, you can see him coaching as it is right now as a player. Yes. (laughs) He just loves it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and hopefully he'll like do some commentating. I was listening to, gosh, I don't know who it was. It might have, might have been Pam Shriver. Actually... I don't remember who it was, but somebody was saying they really do think that Roger will get into like commentating or something along those lines. Uh, and yeah, there was a rumor about you know Roger doing some kind of BBC thing in the in the future, maybe for Wimbledon. Um, that would be so great. Yeah, I, I was like, huh, I wonder if that would really happen. So there were so many magical moments from for me watching the Labor Cup from afar um, from that night, that Friday night, it was, it went viral. It was so huge. So I wanted to know what it felt like for you to be there. Um, It was basically after the match, right? After all the tennis, when he started sharing about his retirement and what it meant. And then he just started breaking down and crying and um, all the other players around him were crying and, you know, how did that feel? What was that like being there? It was pretty intense. I mean, I think everyone was crying in the stands and it's true. Like, I mean, anyone who watched the interview could, could see, like he could barely get a sentence out. He was really, really emotional, uh, which made everybody really, really emotional, but it was, it was quite magical and, uh, when they picked him up and like carried him, I, I remember I was trying to get the video of that, and it's so funny. Like I, I was trying to take some videos, but also like I really wanted to just be in the moment. So I would yeah. like hit the button and kind of like hold my phone down and not really pay attention. Uh, 
And so, of course, <laughs> I totally missed the moment because I thought I hit record, but really I was like hitting stop record. So it was like, it was all backwards and I totally missed the moment of him carrying him, but it's all good. Yeah. I saw it happen and I was there <laughs> and um, it was really sweet, of course, like with Rafa and him, you know, and then the team like around them on the bench was was just so sweet and endearing. I, I will say that I felt... Um, everybody was like forever clapping and screaming for him. But I really, really like deep down wanted like a Roger chant or something, you know, um, like some sort of chant to <laughs> commem commemorate the situation or, um, or, you know, but nobody would start it. And there was like a couple people near me who were, we were trying to like yell Roger Roger and you know it just like it wasn't catching everybody was just so like clap happy though like clapping in rhythm forever for like an hour mm. straight <laughs> everyone's just standing wow. and clapping um but it was still it was still really nice it was great when like uh Mirka and the kids all came out and his parents and it was just such a sweet sweet thing so, you know, normally when you go to uh, a sporting event, people leave before the end or a concert, right? Anywhere where there's 20,000 plus people, sure. there's 10,000 people who usually leave early, right? <laughs> <laughs> because they're trying to like beat the crowd or whatever. But this particular event, right? Everyone was like, no, I am staying because I want to see what's going on. And they, we were there until 1 a.m., um, oh, I think wow. the match ended like at like midnight or 1145 or something along those lines. And so then they had the whole ceremonies. Then some lovely lady came out and sang, but everyone's like, why is she here? What is she saying? <laughs> and when is she going <laughs> to stop? <laughs> that was Ellie Golding. Yes. Who lovely said, human. Yeah. Very glad yeah. for her to have success. Uh, but it was quite a long song and and thing and it was very strange it just seemed like um it wasn't we weren't really sure why it fit there let's just say and when I say we I'm just talking about the the people that were sitting around me because we spent all day sitting next to each other we kind of got to know each other um and we would talk and chat about things but um also I actually when I listened to the tennis podcast they were they were brutal about Ellie Golding is that her name they were just oh no yeah really? I mean just in terms of like not not her as an artist or a person or anything just like the moment and how it was like a 13 minute like um thing that just felt really kind of like strange like what are we doing here is this a concert or is this like a uh, a, a match um and what and like so a celebration with the retirement um yeah but it, it was great but it was during that song though at least you know on videos during that song when everyone came down to Roger, like Mirka and the kids and everything. Um, so was that like at the end or was that in the middle of the song? It, no, it, it kind of like ended with the song and then, um, yeah, everyone came down and, and were, you know, hugging and talking to him, but it, it was definitely yeah. like a long and drawn out thing. Um, mm. At least maybe it just felt that way when we were there. Yeah. And then it also, yeah. I think, 
from from what I gather from the small handful of people I talk to and the tennis podcast as well, um, like trying to figure out what the connection was to what the songs, like the singer, the songs, the message and Roger and retirement, or if it was just mm. like, hey, let's just book a musical act and get them here um, for entertainment. Mm. Uh, I know that Roger said he knew nothing about anything that was going to be happening. Um, yeah. So it definitely wasn't him and part of that. Uh, they also played like some cool videos, you know, up on the screen with people talking, Tribute videos. talking about yeah. Roger. That was, that was really cool. Um, and it was just really sweet. Roger even did like a victory lap and like walked all around the tennis court and like waved oh, wow. to everybody. Um, yeah like his final time and just soaked it all in. It was great. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. Dog's like, oh, oh yeah, sorry. It, yeah, it was, it was really great. So we all got to just, you know, have our moment and say goodbye and thank him. You know, there were so many thank yous. Uh, people were screaming because I think that's just how tennis feels, right? Thank you, Roger, yeah. for everything you gave us. And did you feel like that? Did you feel like it was like perfect closure for you? Did I feel like it was perfect what? Perfect closure for you? Yes, 100%. I mean, man, if if being there didn't give me closure, then wow, there must be something. (laughs) Like, I don't know what more I could ask for. It was was so magical, you know? Um, I just kept thinking... I can't believe I'm so lucky. Um, right to be to there. be here. Like, what in the heck yeah. did I do right in my life that that this <laughs> moment is happening? Um, right. And also feeling though, I don't want to say entitled. That's a really bad word, but like feeling really deserving as well. Just like, of course, I should be here. I'm a, I'm a ridiculously huge. Like, like I said, I've I've ruined very important relationships in my life over my love for Roger. So, um, of course I should be here. Of course this like makes sense that I should be here cheering him on and adoring him because I really, really can, can never, um, quite put into words like what Roger's tennis just has done in my life. Um, it's almost like, Someone who goes through a rough time and says this album really gave me strength and courage or, you know, something along those lines where, where music really touches and inspires people. Um, yeah. There's, there's definitely something that happened when I started watching Roger play tennis that made me, he like, uh, I got shot with Cupid's arrow in terms of being <laughs> like, uh, like, a. Uh, birthing the obsession with tennis (laughs) (laughs) i love tennis (laughs) it is it's like the best sport in the world (laughs) i just can't i honestly can't say enough good things i can't get enough tennis um ever and so could you could you see the other players and their reaction to him and you know how did the crowd react to the other players? And- yeah, I mean, every, everyone was really just uh, just kind of like in the moment. It, it just felt like I think everyone was like 
feeling really special and like it just felt magical. Uh, obviously, Rafa was having his own like, um, I don't know, sp spiritual, emotional journey. He was definitely <laughs> like some sort of existential crisis. No, um, he obviously was having a very uh, vivid reaction <laughs> to yeah. to what was happening um and the emotions overcame him as well it, it definitely seemed like um Djokovic and Murray were more respectful but not so um emotionally invested in terms of didn't seem like they were holding back tears or anything I I yeah. will say that not only was I just lucky enough to be there and lucky enough that I randomly got only Friday tickets, but I also randomly got pretty dang good tickets too. I was only like seven rows up, uh, so wow. the action was pretty good from where I was at. I could I could see everybody really well. Um, wow. And yeah, I mean, I, I think I think just like and maybe I'm obviously I can't speak for anybody else, but what it felt like was that everybody was having that same, like, I can't believe I'm here experiencing this type of, like, moment yeah. altogether. Um, awe, you know. just Which just shows how much respect they have for Roger Federer, right? I mean, that they knew this was such a special and important moment in the history of tennis, as well as the man, Roger. For sure. I mean, what... I think what Roger, like Serena's just retired this year and that must have been really amazing and magical and all of these wonderful things as well. But I think like, and she's brought so much, so much to the sport of tennis in maybe even a more impactful way, uh, one could probably easily argue. However, like it's what Roger brings. Um, Ro Roger brought just this special... Um, He's the beloved, you know, um, he, it really is our, like, I don't want to say he's our tennis God. Cause that's just really, it's like, well, voted fan favorite, right? 13 times in a row. And yeah. Just so, so well loved as you the said. The way he w ha was received and viewed in the tennis world is just something that we haven't seen before. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. And I would say in all of sporting world. Yes. There's very few sporting icons as uh, iconic as Roger Federer. It's true. And then and then um to also just have such a to be so loved and but also to be such a good person and humanitarian like um some people may be really really popular worldwide but might have some questionable personal things. Um that they do, but he's just got such a squeaky, squeaky clean record, like through and through, um, you know, minus teenager days with rackets. But I think everyone kind of forgives that because what teenager doesn't smash a racket, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's part of the mystique that you overcame those errors of your ways of your youth and that he, he matured into something greater, which is part of the yes. ethos, right? Yeah. Yes. Did you were you able to get close to any of the other players? Did you have any other random like moments or anything that night? No. I mean, well, I mean, we I watched three other matches. Um, they were all singles, and they were they were decent, decent matches, pretty good. I I would say they weren't I, like 
in two years, I'm not going to, I'm going to be like, who did I see? I don't remember, <laughs> you know, uh, I'd be like, oh, I, I know I saw Murray <laughs> um, and I'll probably forget the other players that I saw, but, uh, you know, in time. So it wasn't that crazy, spectacular or memorable. It was worth only one point. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, and, and then there wasn't like a, I didn't go up and try and get autographs or anything like that. But but what was really cool is um, because all of the team players were sitting on the benches during the match, kids kept running down behind them and like asking for autographs, like basically throughout the entire match. So uh, Djokovic and all of, all of them really were just like up signing so many autographs for like during the matches. Oh, that's so nice. It, it was really cool and neat and i'm sure like if i wanted i could have went over there um i just you know wasn't really interested um but it it did seem like uh nice for being such a big event and a big arena it also felt uh intimate um the indoorness also was my very first indoor tennis match so that that might also be why it felt intimate but it also did seem like we had some like more access to the players, I guess. Um, and then it must have been really loud, as you were saying, indoor and everybody clapping. It was pretty loud. I mean, honestly, I thought it could be louder, but that's just because nothing was ever going to be good enough for what I wanted for Roger. <laughs> <laughs> Unless the building, you know, like cr- crumbled from our passion, it wasn't going to be enough. But yeah. Um, Everyone, everyone stayed back till the to the very end. Till security had to walk around and kick everyone out, um, and they were like, <laughs> "They just wanted to soak in the glow." <laughs> yeah, totally. So security starts making their rounds and telling everyone, "Hey, you gotta you gotta take a hike." And uh, me and my friends Anne and Jonathan, uh, they're from Dublin. They were really nice. Um, they play tennis, and their kids do too. They. Uh, they, we were just like pretending we didn't see the security guard and totally ignoring him. Like, and he was like, come on, come on, come on for like two minutes. And then, uh, they finally listened and walked away, but I just didn't, I was just standing there. Cause I'm like, I could still see Roger. He's still standing there. I'm not leaving. Like, and so then me and the security guards were having some very interesting conversations about, them asking me to please leave and me being like, dude, Roger's still standing there. Like, what's the big deal? Just like go bother someone else. I spent a lot of money to be here. This is my last moment with him and you're ruining it. (laughs) (laughs) And they were like, well, there's curfews at 11 and we're getting fined. And I'm like, well, it's one. So you already got fined. So like, what's another like five (laughs) minutes, like big deal. So there, it was kind of like a fun little conversation of us arguing whether or not, you know, I needed to leave. And then, in the middle of our argument, Roger actually walked off the stage. So I was like, all right, fine. Now I'll leave. (laughs) (laughs) And then I went, um, and then like me and 20,000 other people walked to the Canary Wharf (laughs) tube underground station. And it was insane, Philip. And you know what? Let me tell you, I was, I was a little, um, anxious or scared. Like I definitely thought, oh my God, there's so many people in here. This can get 
does that like this can turn bad really fast uh, because wow. people were like packed like sardines in the station mm. and then wow. in the trains and with the recent tragedy in um, Seoul Korea. with uh-huh. over 150 people being like trampled and suffocated from a crowd surge like it yeah. just made it more I guess I just feel for them because I I was like, when I was in that crowd, I was definitely, there was a point where um, the escalator going down was just funneling people down and there was no space. And it was like, what what is going to happen? Like, there's nowhere for people to go. They're going to start crushing each other. Thankfully, thankfully, there was an operator, like a security person, and they were able to stop the um, escalator, like right on time. So then... People weren't being because otherwise everyone is on the escalator has no choice but to go down and get um, kind of like pushed into a crowd of people where they can't fit. Um, but yeah, so it, it was I thought I was going to be there forever. I was able to somehow magically get on the second train out. And then yeah. honestly, for like 45 minutes, I was in a train with so many people no personal space. I mean, we were like just in there like sardines, um, people like just sitting on each other's lap and just super packed. And I was like, this is really uncomfortable. Um, and then taking, and then taking like, I think it was like two 30 by the time I ended up a little bit like closer to Wimbledon. And then I had to get a bus and the, the bus, once I got like, a little bit further from um, city center than I was able to find a bus that wasn't super, super crowded. How long were you in that um, train? Uh, for at least 45 minutes. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So that was very uncomfortable. It, it was It was really uncomfortable. And of course, too, like not only just all of that stuff, but I was just like <laughs> thinking, oh my God, I'm going to get COVID. Like again, because there's just I'm I there's no way around getting whatever germs every single person in here has <laughs> um, Wow. but yeah it was it was cool it was intense I ended up getting so I was going to go back the next morning because they said they were going to refill the merchandise booths mm-hmm. uh so I was like I'm going to get back I'm going to go back there at 7 a.m I'm going to be the first in line or like the at least the first 50 or 100 in line <laughs> get us our hats Man, I got home at uh, 4.30. And then by the- 4.30 in the morning. Yeah, or it was four, I think, four. And then by the time I like, by the time I got all my my clothes off, wow, that sounds really, like into my pajamas, let's say, (laughs) ready for for bed, (laughs) it was 4.30 and I'm just laying there. And I'm, of course, I'm amped out of my mind because not only did I just have the most magical night of my life, but I just had to, kind of had to be in survival mode and very- like alert for my travel home. Um, so then I, I just was super amped and I just laid there probably till like five thirty <laughs> before I fell asleep. And, um, wow. and then my alarm went off at seven and I was like, hats, hats. No, I don't care. I have to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I can't do it. It's not worth it. I, you know, well, it. it would have been ki- kind of worth it. But my concern was like, if I get sick, because this um, tennis was at the beginning of my two-week trip. 
It was the second day of a two-week trip. So I was like, if I get sick from staying up all night, I'm going to regret it for like the rest of the trip, right? Um, Yeah. So I was like, I just really have to rest. rest." So I I think I slept until like 3 (laughs) p.m. Wow. (laughs) But what an amazing journey. I can't believe it. Like you said, you're so blessed to have been there, you and... All the people that were there, you know, what an experience to be there on the retirement of Roger Federer. It's just incredible. Yeah. I I think everyone kind of just was looking around at each other like with that, like, can you believe we're here? Like, (laughs) oh, my gosh. Like, how did we get like so lucky? Because I think, um, like I said, when I bought my tickets in July, it was already almost sold out. So most of the people that were there or at least the people who originally sold their t- bought their tickets like bought it before they knew um i have to imagine many of them sold their tickets for a lot of money um because why not <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but but i do think that there was still like a really uh large percentage of people who were just there coincidentally like that just got lucky. We're like, I wanted to come to this event and oh my gosh, it just so happens to be the last match of his career. Professional match, so he would say, even though it yeah. it's technically an exhibition. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, so cool, so magical. Um, I did not record anything while I was there. I thought about it a couple times, but I made so many friends and I was talking to so many people that it just didn't, happen (laughs) i'm so glad you got to go and it you know i really feel like it's something that was such a blessing for you to be there because i do know how much you love roger and i do know how faithful you've been a fan way even before we met uh and just you know brought us together so i'm just so excited you were there it's so awesome and even from afar, watching the videos and the highlights over and over and over, <laughs> especially at the moment, you know, where Mirka goes and hugs Roger and he kisses her and, you know, he's talking about how much he couldn't have done it with, without her. I mean, that was just so, so moving. It was in, insanely good to to see that and to have that there for all of us fans to feel that moment and you know it it did it felt like closure it felt like something that allowed us to to release um roger and not be disappointed that it just ended you know for sure because it it was so close to being like that right yeah i mean yeah years of waiting right (laughs) Because wasn't he like bageled in Wimbledon or something as his last match yeah, or something like that? Yeah, it was not um, very competitive. And that would go down in history as like his last, you know, match and, you know, couldn't couldn't do that. I posted that video of Roger and uh, Mirka, you know, hugging each other and uh, we put it on our Love Set Match Instagram. It has over 100,000 views. Nice. <laughs> nice. Well, you, you know, you... You got all them followers. <laughs> well, me and Andy, yeah, she's just awesome at helping with that. But it just, just that that moment resonated so much, you know, with 
everyone. And it just was like, yeah, I mean, I can feel it even just watching it. And, and just to have that very intimate moment with them, which we never get, right? Because Mirka never does interviews. She never really shows. And, and especially when, you know, um, Charlene and Myla, like, were crying and he was saying, don't, don't cry, don't cry, I'm happy, you know, but they couldn't help but cry. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, those very personal family moments, those intimate moments that we got to share and, and you know, vicariously feel like we're family because we love him so much. It was just amazing. So grateful for, for the Labor Cup, for putting this all together. And I'm not sure that he would have had just as special a moment if it was like, you know, like Paris or Basel or something. It, know, it wouldn't have been. I mean, it, it, it really right? worked out well that it was like his tournament. So he could kind of do, yeah. you know, whatever he wanted, yeah. technically. Yeah, and they were really gearing everything for him. You know, and I think a regular tournament might not have done that. They would have been in that moment as important as they could, but the whole tournament is thinking about the whole tournament, right? They're not just thinking about Roger. And even all the players are really just there thinking about Roger, right? And so if it was at a regular tournament, they would just be thinking about their matches and their recovery and all of that stuff. So in so many ways, it was so perfect. Exactly. Yeah. It really was. Great. And and then your flight home after uh, the Labor Cup, where did you go? Um, I hung out. I hung out in London for a while. I did I did a quick trip into pa- uh, Paris and saw some friends. Did you Did you see Serena while you? Were I in did Paris? not. <laughs> I did not. Unfortunately, I know she loves Paris. <laughs> she does. I didn't. I uh, I didn't see anyone. I saw some friends, not tennis players, and then I uh, did a, did a little bit longer in uh, London. Um, I actually was working on this trip, so. Um, most of the time I was actually working, so. Um, but you're working in Paris. I mean, my God. Well, let know. me tell you, it wasn't as, as wasn't as glorious as I had it in my head. So I had oh, it in my dream. head. I was, let me dream. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I was dreaming and scheming on the way there, thinking I'd be on my laptop at a coffee shop, like eating, I don't know, a baguette and a an espresso, <laughs> like looking at the Eiffel Tower. But what really ended up happening was Valerie in Paris. <laughs> it was freezing cold. It was raining. Oh, it was oh raining, no. and it was so windy that it was breaking oh, my no. umbrella. That I just went to my hotel and <laughs> cuddled in bed because I was so cold, and I just worked on my laptop in bed and was like, I can't believe I'm in my hotel room. I just spent three hundred dollars on a train t- ticket to Paris to sit in a hotel bed um <laughs> and work it was it was kind of lame but uh there was some really nice moments i actually did really like i went to the eiffel tower i saw some friends we walked around because the first day i was there actually was a beautiful day it was perfect um oh, and but then the second great. day i was there it was like it was just total garbage and it was like a, a wash so um but anyway, yeah, it was it was really nice. On my way home from London, on the flight, I made a friend. This guy who sat next to me, he just so happened to like see what was I? I must have been wearing a Roger or something or Labor Cup or maybe he saw me looking at pictures. Somehow we started talking about Roger tennis and Labor Cup, and we must have talked for like four hours of the flight 
all about Roger oh, Federer how cool. and tennis in general. We talked about he knew he was a fan. He knew everyone. He he could really wow. go deep about every player and tournaments. And I was like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> you're so cool. So it really <laughs> helped make the flight go by quicker. How nice. Yeah. That's great. And it was great. And it was also really nice to like, you know, be like um so freshly telling someone about the experience. So it was it was cool. Oh yeah. He was a, he was very nice. <laughs> Wow. So even even the flight home was like a blessing. Yes, for sure. Um, so definitely nice. a special trip and can't wait to go back. Peeps, I have some friends who are like, you're going to move to London, huh? I'm like, I want to. <laughs> really? Is it is it your favorite now? I just love think? it. I do really love it, but I don't I don't know that I would. I mean, I can't move anywhere. I have too many uh, dependents here. <laughs> <laughs> your animals, yes. you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh as if that wasn't enough with tennis, you also went down to San Diego recently. Can you tell us about that? I did. Um for those of you who are not aware, there's uh San Diego Open. It's uh for the men, I think it's a 500 and for the women, I think it's a 250, but don't quote me on that. Uh if you really care how many points ranking points it's worth, I suggest you Google it. Um <laughs> So they they hold the tournament not at the same it's not simultaneous so the men I think is in the beginning of the year and the women is uh, in October I think it was October right yeah yeah October tenth through the sixteenth yeah yeah so it was kind of just whimsical um be, so because the top eight players were going to be or actually not just the top eight players um the the Guadalajara tournament which is I think is a WTA 1000 just happened mm -hmm. last week and then the WTA tour finals was happening and there was still several um, people vying for the last spots so they were still in the running and because everything still like was so close it was like a great way for a lot of the top players to get last minute matches in um, really close to Guadalajara and Fort Worth Texas so it like 17 of the top 20 players were at the San Diego Open, like probably the first and only time it will ever happen like that. Uh, <laughs> and it felt a, lo a little bit like one, of, again, like one of those magical moments where I was just kind of like, there's so many amazing top, top uh, tennis players, like just two hours away. Why am I not going? <laughs> so, and, and um, it was $20 uh, the first day I went because it was qualifying. So I was like, wow. oh gosh, 20 bucks, I could cheap. go down there and see some qualifiers. And, and we know how good the qualifiers are, like, right? Emma Raducanu won a slam. Um, and there yeah. are people who, there are journey women, players, who may have just gotten injured and they're playing qualifying, even though they're like former top 50 of the world. So there's a lot of quality to be had in qualifying. In fact, Donna Vekic, who made it to the final, she came through qualifying. So, Oh, wow. I so I thought, that. I'll go down 20 bucks. I'll watch some qualifying. There'll be some good people. In fact, Jill Teichman was in qualifying, uh, the Swiss player. Oh, wow. Who's pretty decent. Good, good watch. Oh, yeah. um, I like her. And I think... Yeah, there. I don't know. There's a lot of a lot of them. I won't list every. I won't list the whole draw. But uh, what 
so I walk, I go down there and um, I walk right in. It's super small. It's a cute, tiny, quaint little country club. And uh, mm-hmm. I walk in and like Garbina Muguruza was like walking right next to me. <laughs> I was like, oh my, <laughs> oh my God, I start freaking out. I don't know why I started freaking out. Like I've been around a lot of tennis players. But I was so, I think I was just so shocked. Like I couldn't believe she was like so close, right there in the lobby, just standing there like it's nothing. Um, And there's, I don't know, there was probably only like 300 people on the grounds. So it was like so Mm. um, intimate and it's just seemed really nice. So that was a good start. And then basically uh, I walked around, I bought a t-shirt and some drinks and then I headed to the practice courts and... There was Garbina and um, Conchita um, Martinez, and then Sloane Stevens came out and started practicing with her. And so I was like, oh, I'm not even going to watch qualifying. (laughs) I'm just going to sit here and watch them practice. So they have have these great practice courts where you can basically just sit right on the court um, on these concrete-like steps. Oh, similar to um, it's Indian just Wells, like of. Indian Wells, yeah, um, like the lower courts, yeah, yeah, just like that. And so we just sat there, and I just sat right next to Conchita and Muguruza, uh, Garbina, and Sloan, um, and their teams. And I was just like eavesdropping on everything they were saying. Like Sloan was asking her, well, um, and oh, it was Garbina's birthday as well, so. some of the fans that were like sitting there watching, like saying her happy birthday. (laughs) And, and then, yeah, I was just basically like listening to what Sloan and her were talking about. It wasn't um, anything really major. She was talking about like a vacation spot and like, have you been there and do you like it? (laughs) So. (laughs) Because it was like only like 20 rows deep or something like that, right? It was very shallow. So you're super close to the court. Yes. Yeah, so actually the pre- on the practice court, it was just like I was on the court basically, oh, right? Wow. Um, wow. The stadium itself, yeah, was really small. It only held, I think they said like 3,000 people. That is so cool. We have to definitely do that every year. Yes. It's almost it's the same as going to Indian Wells, but a lot cheaper and easier to get to. <laughs> well, I will say Indian Indian Wells is closer a little bit. Um but it definitely didn't have the parking nightmares of Indian Wells or the yeah. pricing of Indian Wells. <laughs> um yeah. but it also doesn't have the field right? The men and the women and all the top players, but for sure, like next year, more planned out. I'm dragging you. We're going, we're going to San Diego. (laughs) And I recommend to anyone listening who's in the SoCal area to definitely check it out. They had, I will say though, like as the tournament progressed, the tickets started to get a little like what I would say, I don't want to say it's outrageous, but for Considering the stands were half empty, like I think that other people were like, whoa, because it was like $145, I think, um, mm. for the final day and semifinals day. And when you that's when nothing. you think about it, that's that's really not much. But nobody, like half the stands were empty. So oh. um, I think you just crazy. need to like know your crowd or something, know your audience. Yeah. And who, who did you see play? 
Um, so I went back again down a second time because I had so much fun the first time. <laughs> uh, so the first time I, I, I watched them practice, then I watched um, Bianca Andreescu practice for a little while. I saw um, Beatrice Haddad Maya practicing, Madison Keys, Coco Goff. Um, I think it might have been Rybakina, but I'm not totally sure. I saw your girl Pliskova. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> and then when I went back the next week, I went on quarterfinals and I saw two, well, they should have been great matches. One was great. One was not great. I saw Sviantek, um, beat down Coco Goff, uh, pretty, con- oh, pretty yeah. convincingly. And yeah. then I, uh, after that it was Collins and, um, Bedosa and that was, amazing really really it was i think it was straight sets but it was really competitive and they were hitting that ball so hard i was <laughs> i was like wow i can't believe they can hit the ball so hard yeah i watched that match on uh, online and wow it they were just going at it and the level was super high and collins was coming up with these like insane uh, you know, winner shots after three, four, five rally um, ma- match points or, or points in the game. So it was incredible how well they were playing. She's so fun to watch. Yeah, and she got really far too. That was awesome. I'm, uh, Collins, I mean. I'm having you cut out a bit again. <clears throat> Sorry about that. <clears throat> yeah, Collins got really far in that tournament so that was really exciting but did you get to see uh Schwantek hit at all well, you saw the coco golf match right yeah i saw her play coco golf and she's she's a spectacular she's amazing yeah what what was it about her that was so impressive it was like it was like watching i like the smarts of hingis with like the um, the flexibility of Kleisters and the like offense to defense of like a Djokovic or something and just like the consistency and the uh, of like a Djokovic. She's just she's just relentless. Um, it's really fun to, to like watch yeah. that that brand of tennis. Yeah. Is she one of your favorite players now? Oh, I absolutely love watching her play. Yeah. What uh, what about you? I think so. I mean, I think in a way that she's kind of changing the game because her winning ways are so undeniable. And how many tournaments has she won now this year? I think it's six or eight. Yeah. So it's just amazing that she can... um, just recover go to the next tournament be super solid you know be maybe a little bit of trouble here or there with like a one set drop or something but just take it to them in the final you know she always seems to raise her level in the final it's just like wow yeah so there's something about her championship spirit that is so attractive but i also think that her style of play is kind of unusual like the way that she has an extreme grip and she's able to like swat the ball. She doesn't really go low to high in the traditional sense. You know, she really is just attacking the ball kind of straight on with a lot of spin. Yeah. So there's a, there's a lot of really interesting 
um, technique changes that um, help her win. And she's almost always open stance, right? I mean, just <clears throat> takes it on both sides, open stance. So just really cool. And I, I think it's going to set a precedence for how people play tennis in the future uh, because I, it's just seeing her be able to react to a ball and get there so fast. Her footwork is so good that she's there at the ball and, and ready to swing. And her swing is so compact and short that she can just take it on and just do it over and over and over. You know, it just, just doesn't seem like she's troubled. Yeah, it's super good. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how I, I think she'll finish the year well if, if she doesn't win the finals. Like, I think she'll at least... I mean, she just uh, beat Kazakina, I think, two and two. Um, but if for some reason she doesn't win, like, I still think she's had an amazing, amazing year. But I'm, I'm interested yeah. to see how, how she can follow it up next year, you know. Um, yep. After the off season, it always seems like, you know, will they – will because I think with women we see it more where people get real hot and then they just, like, they don't stay hot for consecutive yeah. year after year after year, you know, like, right, like we've, right, like right. we've been seeing with the men. So I, I hope she can just cause it'd be great to have some consistency. Um, I, I do like the parody of women's tennis, but I also would love to see a little domination. Um, and then if she can dominate, like it will only force others to get better. Right. Like they'll have to right. rise to the occasion. So it just makes the sport better when people have to get better. <laughs> Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that because I do have that feeling like, oh, there's no one dominant woman, and yet she has won pretty dominantly <laughs> throughout the year. So it just is taking me a longer time to really put my faith and believe that there is someone who is kind of dominant. I mean, her winning streak matching Serena. And, you know, so it's really cool that she's able to do that. Um, but it also says a lot for all the other women that their level are, is pretty high. Yes. Really so does. So kind of cool. I mean, there's so many just amazing women on the tour right now. I'm actually yeah. uh, Co Coco Goff and Carolyn Carolyn Garcia just started. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a good match. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. I've I was well, hearing. Um, there's a like there's a lot of musical chairs happening with coaches right now on the WTA. I think mm. Garcia lost her coach recently. Andreescu's coach, I think, just left her like this weekend or something. Wow. Um, and there's more. I think like uh, Tursanov. I don't, I don't remember who he used to coach, but he switched players as well. Um, who does? Do you do you know who he? coaches i don't remember um, no i can't remember off the top of my head but yeah so i think that should be interesting as well like to see next year like with because there's going to be a lot of coach shifts yeah over the off season yeah so, and what happened to naomi osaka <laughs> yes <laughs> <You know>? right <laughs> where is she <laughs> so know. yeah lots lots upcoming in the new year and we'll have to do our christmas podcast and talk about you know some holiday gifts and all of that stuff i just got this really cool 
little tool that allows you to put like a stencil on a tennis ball. So oh, how cool. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I'm going to post a picture on the blog page, but you can also see it on, on my uh, Instagram, Philip Kim PK on Instagram. And yeah, it's really, it's really fun. And it actually does it really well, super clean. And I really like it. So that's kind of fun. Nice. If we ever, you know, are mixing up balls, but it's called ball trace, kind of fun. But yeah, we should do our list of like really fun Christmas gifts for tennis friends, right? Sounds good. <laughs> Valerie, thank you so much for sharing your story. And I just have been waiting and waiting to hear what it was like to be there and to hear your experience and you know I just am so envious that you got there but I'm so happy for you because I love you so much and I know how much it means for you to have that moment you know I feel like you had it for us I mean I like felt like I was having it for everyone like I, yeah. I felt like <laughs> I really did I was like sitting there going feel this for everyone <laughs> like uh they, you know take it take it in for, soak it in for the team you know um and I feel really weird, like, rambling about it for an hour right now. But I hope that, like, if anyone actually does listen, <laughs> that you got to feel a little bit like you were there. Because definitely, you know, I had people there with me and, and my, with my spirit. Um, and I was, I was really just trying to soak it in and then, like, give off that love and energy back to Roger that I know that, like, those who wish they could be there would want him to feel from them you know um it really did seem like he felt very loved and it was it was nice for him as a moment to move on yeah. as well yeah and those videos oh. <laughs> <laughs> those videos valerie they're so beautiful yes so beautiful well thank you so much tennis pal for being Oh, an awesome sponsor and the best app to find people to play tennis with. Thank you for allowing us to share this great story and this very personal human story about someone who loves Roger Federer and was actually able to be there. It's just so great. And I feel like that's what tennis is. It's these moments, um, these these moments of enjoyment in tennis. Whoops. <laughs> I haven't had that happen before. <laughs> Time to go. <laughs> Yes. Love you, Valerie. We'll talk soon. Oh, have a great night, Philip. Hey, Philip. Hey. Pay all your serves. Be aces. aces. Thank you.